They stole my wallet. The bum stole my wallet. <laughs> my wallet's gone! My wallet's gone! <laughs> I have my wallet in my back pocket. It's gone. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. I wanted to get my x-ray. Somebody takes my wallet. Is that the operation here? But I don't want to be a secondary character. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Welcome to another episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. This is a podcast about Seinfeld, the greatest sitcom of all time, but it's a bit different to your typical Seinfeld podcast. In this one, we get random episodes of the show and talk about the wonderful secondary characters featured in it. My name is Ivan. And I'm Stephen. And we have a very special guest, Sarah. How are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Good, good. And you're uh, Stephen's sister. I am his older sister. <laughs> <laughs> the more wiser one. Yeah, yeah. but he's probably <laughs> not here. That's right. It's been a long time coming. Uh, I've tried to have you on for a few times, I think, but uh, finally got around to it. Being a mother to two young girls, my nieces, it's uh, time is a bit harder to come by. Yes, you're right there. So we'll talk a bit later on about your history with Seinfeld. Um, obviously, it'll be shared history with our mum yep. and our individual histories. Before we do, though, uh, what episode are we doing this week, Ivan? This week, we are doing The Wallet from Season 4, Episode 5, and it's like a pseudo part one of a pseudo two-part series, The Wallet and The Watch, which we have done an episode on The Watch a while ago, uh, but we're doing the first unofficial part, The Wallet. Yeah, that's right. Two uh, two items that Leo finds in the bin after Jerry disposes of them. <laughs> that's on The Watch especially. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, yep. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email bidwabasspodcast at gmail.com. You can say hello on all forms of social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. Uh, you can listen to all of our previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to support us, you can subscribe and review us, uh, five stars preferably, or whatever you feel is appropriate. And you can support us financially as well. That's right. We are on Patreon and PayPal, so you can donate financially. And if you are on Patreon, you do get access to bonus episodes of Curbcast, our Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast, as well as Season 11, our original series where we uh, come up with modern Seinfeld episodes, plot and all, and we read them out to you. That's right. And you can listen to our terrible character voices. <laughs> we try our best. We try our best. And finally, if you want to join our Facebook group, Seinfeldisms, it is now the biggest Seinfeld group on Facebook. Literally mm. just before recording, it ticked over 75,000 members, which is mind-blowing. Woohoo! Yeah. Awesome. We're running uh, weekly trivia events as of next weekend. Uh, we'll be rotating between the US slash Canada Europe and Australia uh, will be kicking off with a US trivia event, East Coast time. So uh, jump on the Facebook and uh, check out the events at the top of the page and uh, all the instructions are there on how to join and how to play. And uh, yeah, if you're from either Europe or Australia, just keep an eye on the page for future events as well. Indeed. And uh, speaking of Seinfeldisms, what has happened to you in the real world, Stephen, regarding Seinfeld? So this is a pretty good one. I played trivia, not Seinfeld trivia, uh, the other night with some friends over Zoom. And I found out, and I'm Surprised I didn't know this prior that one of my friends, or they're a couple, their dog is named Babu. <laughs> Babu. Yeah, I thought it might have been the Seinfeld uh, reference, but it turns out that her ex-partner, who she uh, co-parents the dog with, is Indian, and it is a fairly common name in, in India. So it would be like, right. a, you know, it would be like us naming our pet you know, Chris or John or something like that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, I hope they don't feed the dog shrimp and, the sh and they say the shrimp is a bit stringy. It's a bit stringy. Quiet. The dog, 
<laughs> exactly. What about you? Uh, me, I actually have a really good one as well. Uh, my lovely fiance, she made cinnamon bobka over the weekend. Ooh. And I actually put uh, photos up on your on the uh, Seinfeldisms page. So I uh, got a lot of likes for it and a lot of comments, a lot of good ones. I had someone say that they're looking forward to waiting out my future marriage because <laughs> we're getting married next year. So yeah, one guy was like, we're going to wait out your marriage. And uh, one person mm-hmm. said, you have a lucky, you're lucky to have a Jewish girl who can make bobka. And uh, I was like, <laughs> uh, she's not Jewish, but you know, <laughs> she makes pretty good food. Yeah, close enough. Yeah. My first thought was another bobka. <laughs> That's what I Another bobka, yeah. Uh, a few yeah, people said that too. And cinnamon. Yeah. Cinnamon, the lesser. Well, it certainly wasn't the lesser bobka. It's really delicious. Yeah. Cinnamon's an underrated flavor, but cinnamon's that spice where just the right amount is perfect, just over the right amount, and it's horrible. It's, yeah. it's like a fine line. It should be on tables and restaurants along with salt and pepper. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, Sarah, our uh, guest today, uh, do you have any Seinfeldisms for the week or in recent? Because you're not a uh, weekly host of the show, you can go as far back as you want. Well, that's handy because I have two. I mean, I have, I probably have a few more, but the two most recent ones both happened at work. So one of my colleagues, uh, she had to write out about 50 checks. Now, you don't write checks anymore. You just pay direct into bank accounts. But she had to write 50 physical checks for the marketing team. And at the end of it, she said her hand was just so cramped, kind of like (laughs) in the check. Coincidentally, it was sort of the same. Well, it was the same day. We had a guy come in to do massages for us, our finance team, um, just like 15 minute, you know, shoulders and whatever. Um, So yeah, I, I just thought any any kind of theme i think seinfeld so the massage um you know a couple of episodes relate to massage but yeah the checks one was quite i looked at my boss who's very seinfeldy she she gets everything and i just sure. looked at her and went this is a whole episode her hand cramping <laughs> up um and writing checks too i mean what are the odds these days I have another one as well. I had a bit of a, well, everyone will know what I'm talking about when I say downtown moment. So I had to speak to my boss's boss here at home on Skype. And I was speaking to him about a report he wanted me to do. And my daughter comes toddling in and I'm, you know, listening and and then trying to kind of calmly, you know, get away, go back out the door kind of thing. And I was sort of hearing what he was saying. But at the end, I thought, you know what, I really didn't actually get all of that. And then I had to, I guess, extrapolate, <laughs> figure out what he was saying. And yeah, that was so that was my downtown moment. I talked to my boss and said, I had a downtown moment the other day. And she totally understood what I was saying. So yeah, a bit embarrassing, but hey, I figured it out in the end. <laughs> At least you didn't have to wear a puffy shirt. No, exactly. <laughs> I was going to ask with the uh, massage, did anyone say that it moved? We're a girl uh, finance team. There's about eight of us and we're all female. And um, no, so, well, no one said anything. No one would have understood (laughs) that reference anyway. I was thinking of, you know, George, but um, yeah, nothing moved, I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) No one was afraid of this. I would hope not. not. You would have been moved by the fantastic massage and how good it was. Yes. yes, it was only 15 minutes and it's kind of on one of those, you know, those 1980s ergonomic chairs where you're sitting forward and your legs are all kind of back. Anyway, yeah, it, it was a bit, uh, it was comfortable, but yeah, strange in the office. Yep. Nice. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can never relax if, if we had, uh, Ivan and I worked together in the same office and if we had someone coming around to massage us or even if we had to go to a certain room, I couldn't relax. I'm like, I can't, I can't relax and get a massage in this context, in this no. environment, you know. 
it's strange. Well, you might just, you know, be relaxed for about five minutes and then you're like, right, straight back to the stress. You know, it's sort of, it's not the right, I understand what they try to do, but yeah. Anyway, next section of the podcast, Seinfeld News. Uh, only one this week and this was a bit of a stretch, but I had to include it so that we had something. Recently, the Trump administration, we try and avoid politics on the show, so I won't get too yes. politicized. But recently, the Trump administration proposed rule changes that would allow showerheads in the US to boost water pressure. He he announced that after he complained, I think it was at a press conference or in an interview, that he couldn't get enough pressure out of his shower and uh, that it affected his hair. It needed to be perfect all the time. Oh, my Lord. I don't want to get into this at all. <laughs> but uh, yeah. No, 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 no. I can we'll see why it was a big deal. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about what he said, sparing our opinions of, of Trump. Um, but if you want to yeah. know our opinions of Trump, especially mine, go back and listen to really old episodes and there's lots there. <laughs> I know. You and really, you and nuclear. Yeah, back then. I did a few times, yeah. but uh, a few times, yeah. You probably went postal, right? Oh. <laughs> relative uh, recently. <laughs> With what's going on at the moment, yeah. True. The mail never stops. The mail never stops. When you control the mail, you control information. He actually said, <laughs> sort of rhetorically, but also went through the question, he goes, so what do you do? You just stand there longer and you take a shower longer? Because my hair, I don't know about you, but it has to be perfect. Perfect. Uh, a bunch of experts and a bunch of industry, uh, I guess, boffins said that the idea of rolling back restrictions on showerheads, especially given the current political climate in America, is a bit a bit silly. Maybe it's not a high priority given everything that's going on, and that it's the idea that it's required is is actually a bit silly. So it's a, it's a strange turn of events, but. Definitely related to Seinfeld, obviously, with uh, the showerhead, which we actually did back in July 2018. So scroll back through your feed about two years and you'll see our take on the secondary characters of that episode. It was that far ago. Wow. Okay. Yeah. A while ago. Cool. We've been doing this for three and a half years now. Yeah. <laughs> Quite a while. We're almost at the end. No, almost at the end. Uh, yeah. And that's all the Seinfeld news for the week. Very good, mate. Before we go to a break, I actually have some listener mail that we received, uh, I think, yesterday or the day before. I just thought I'd read it out before we go on the break. Uh, this is from Judy. She's from Oslo in Norway, and uh, it's pretty appropriate because we did the butter shave a couple of weeks ago, and it <laughs> featured vegetable lasagna from Norway. So Judy said to us, um, I love your podcast, listen to it all the time. Uh, I'd love to give a shout out with any Seinfeld episode of your choice, because there's so many good ones to choose from, to my friend Orette. We owe our love for Seinfeld to be one of the reasons for bonding our friendship and keep up the great work, and looking forward to hearing future podcast episodes. So that's from Judy from Oslo in Norway, and I, I replied back to her the other day, and I said, oh, we're going to record the wallet. Can I just give a, a shout out to Orette on that one? And she goes, yeah, that's fine. Perfect. Sounds good. So shout out to Judy and Orette from Norway. Thanks for the email. Yeah, I think that's our first mail outside of either the US, Canada or Australia. It's our first European yeah. mail, I think. I was going to reply back to her and go, 10 kroner, <laughs> yeah. 15 kroner. <laughs> you should have signed off as Magnus. Mag Magnus vegetable lasagna, I should. <laughs> but anyway, that's a really nice email from Norway. Thanks again, Judy. And uh, yeah, like I said, let's have a quick break and we're going to talk about some secondary characters from season four's The Wallet. You're listening to, but I don't want to be a secondary character. Welcome back. This week we are doing The Wallet, episode five of season four, and we have a very special guest this week, my sister, Sarah. Hi. And uh, before we get into the main part of the episode, um, I just wanted to ask Sarah to, I guess, give a bit of a background on your relationship with Seinfeld, how you got into the show, you know, how you've uh, been a fan for, what, 20, 30 years, you know, and some favorite episodes and maybe some highlights of the show. 
Okay, well, I guess I've been a fan ever since it came on TV in the early 90s. Um, yeah, I mean, we all used to sit down, didn't we, Stephen? All mm. mum, dad, you and I, and watched it. And I guess, I mean, back then I didn't really understand, you know, what, a, what impact it would have on my life. Yeah. But, yeah, I think... I don't know. It's just it's it's really grown on me personally. Um, when I lived in London, I used to sit on the tube, you know, boring journeys to and from work, just watching episodes over and over and over again. So I I know a vast majority of episodes, you know, like line for line. Well, I used to. My memory's a bit short these days, but yeah, I, I just I don't know. It's just one of those. You know, it's a comfort, you know. You can sit down, switch your brain off, and just watch a bit of Seinfeld. I'm sure, lots of people think about that. Uh, like think the same thing. About Seinfeld as well maybe other, even other shows but for me it's just a comfort and, and it's just one of those shows that you either really get or you don't so I know a lot of people that don't get it but yeah I don't know just love it yeah well so do we that's why we're here <laughs> one thing I think I've already asked you this but I can't remember when uh, you were living in London obviously Seinfeld in Australia is really popular so you could throw around a reference at almost in any situation and there'd be at least one person in the room who would get it was it like yep. that in London no, it was definitely not. I think, um, you know, dare I say it, Friends was massive over there. But a lot of British shows are also clearly massive over there. Um, lots of American stuff wasn't a, as popular, Seinfeld being one of them. Um, but luckily, I worked for a company called Pret and they. Um, I, I worked with a, a really great finance manager and he was exactly like me. You could just pop out any line, any reference, any word, and he would understand Seinfeld. So I sort of had a kindred spirit there, which was very lucky because I used to just say some random things and people would just think I would be strange. So it was nice having somebody who knew what I was talking about. So not as popular as it is here. Fair enough. If you had to list, say, three favourite episodes, what would they be? And three favourite secondary characters. Oh, okay. I, well, one of my top three has to be the Soup Nazi. <laughs> then secondary character, the Soup Nazi. Um, mm. Obvious reasons, Stephen, you, I think you've already shared the little video or the, the talk about the video that I got from the Soup Nazi for my 40th. I love the contest. That's probably one of my, like, yeah, definitely in the top three, I would say. And then I really, really love the Hamptons episode with, you know, Mm. you got to see the baby and yeah that that one is i think because i like it, it's a little bit different because it's set outside of their usual setting you know outside of jerry's apartment and also i know that a lot of people don't really like it is the backwards episode um the one in from india i really the really betrayal. Like that yeah. One. yeah i can't yeah. remember it's underrated yeah i really like that one and i know it rubs people the wrong way but um yeah i like it very cool Nice, nice. And uh, a couple of other favourite secondary characters. Oh, right. Okay. Um, oh, it's so hard. There's so many. So what did I say? The Soup Nazi. I yep. like Jackie Childs. I think he's, um, you know, he, he's great. Oh, I can't really think of too many more. I guess Newman's not a secondary character. He's like, well, he's a primary secondary he's character. He's technically a secondary character. Yeah, we count him as a secondary, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I'd have to say anyone, anyone outside the core four is a secondary. So, yeah, Newman counts. Yeah, true, true. Yep. Anyone, think, Newman down is secondary to us. Yeah, yeah, I have to say Newman up there. As much as I don't like him, I really do like him. I find him very <laughs> annoying, but he's kind of integral to, you know, the apartment living, Jerry and Kramer and everything. So, yeah. He's hmm. a mystery wrapped in an enigma. <laughs> An wrapped enigma in wrapped in a riddle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he's wrapped in a Twinkie. Yeah. Wrapped in a Twinkie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you for that, Sarah. No doubt we'll learn a bit more as the episode goes on. Anyway, thanks for that, Sarah. Really interesting what you, you know, your favorite secondaries and episodes are really good ones there. But anyway, let's jump into this week's episode, The Wallet, Season 4, Episode 5. In this episode, it first aired in the US on September 23rd, 1992, directed by Tom Sharones, written by Larry David. Jerry's parents are in town so that his father, Morty, Barney Martin, can see a specialist about his aching back. Morty's upset when he finds his wallet is missing from his pants pocket after leaving his clothes unattended in the examination room. Jerry has to do some quick thinking after his parents ask why he doesn't wear the watch they gave him. In fact, Jerry threw it away because it didn't keep the correct time. George decides to play hardball with NBC, demanding a better deal for their show about nothing. Elaine returns from Europe, determined to break up with her psychiatrist boyfriend, Dr. Reston, played by Stephen McCaddy, but he's not making it easy for her. Other secondary characters in the episode, Liz Sheridan, of course, plays Helen, Seinfeld, Heidi Swedberg as Susan, Len Lesser makes an appearance as Uncle Leo. Hello! David Sage is Dr. Dembro, Morty's doctor. Susan Eileen Johnson plays the nurse. Denise Douse plays the receptionist who's not really a fan of Morty's demeanour. And Brian Lechner plays the gas station attendant at the start of the episode. So a bit of trivia about the episode, Stephen. What have you got? First bit of trivia I have is that this episode has uh, the return of Elaine. She was missing for the most part for the first three or four episodes of the season because she was pregnant. That's why they wrote her European storyline to accommodate her absence on the show but when she comes back pretending to be a delivery driver she (laughs) when she enters the crowd uh, actually applauses and it's the only other uh, she's the only other character to have received applause other than Kramer uh, which he got pretty much every episode for the first maybe four seasons and Kramer got a lot in this episode too yeah there seemed to be the most boisterous cheer for the crowd (laughs) It was it was even another level compared to other other walk-ins that he had even in this season. But after That's after it. this season, it kind of died down a bit. Yeah, it did. It did a bit. But I think I, I think the um didn't the writers or no the executives or something want the crowd to shut up? I think we talked about this once in trivia. Yeah, I think I think um you know when they warm up the crowd or when they talk about the crowd uh, talk to the crowd before filming, I think they actually started to ask probably at the end of this season to you know just uh, keep it quiet for when Kramer you know comes in. Yeah, absolutely, During- and it's probably for the best. I think so. And it would get a bit old as well. It would seem a bit forced after a while. Yeah, very, very sitcom-y. Definitely, definitely. Uh, do you have yeah. any trivia? Yeah, i got a couple. Um, so this episode is continued in the next one, The Watch, which we've already done previously, like I mentioned. Um, it's the only two-part episode of the series that is not separated by part one and two in the title. Yeah, it's strange. you got to you got to wonder whether that was deliberate or whether they just sort of wrote one episode and then they thought, oh, let's write a direct sequel. You know, a lot of the time they write a full script and then just cut it down the middle. But um, yeah, it is, you, you kind of do forget that they are interlinked episodes, you know, that one leads directly into the other. Mm, yeah, because season four had a lot of obviously massive story arcs and lots of uh, subplots intertwining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it had the trip and then the pilot, lots of uh, two-part episodes. Yeah, absolutely. And also this is the first appearance or this is the first time where Helen and Morty share a scene separately away from Jerry. Yeah, which scene is that? Oh, when they're at the doctor's office. Uh, when they're in the doctor's office, yeah. It's the first yeah. time that Jerry's not with them. I think all uh, future scenes with them alone are probably just when they're in Florida. I can't think of any other scenes where they're up in New York visiting Jerry and they're not with Jerry. There probably is maybe one or two, but I just can't think of any off the top of my head, except when they're in Florida. Yeah, I'm sure there's at least a few. Yeah. 
Bit of a yeah. bit of a trivia light episode this one. Yeah, there's not really much. Normally we have to pick and choose the best trivia points, but uh, I, I searched <laughs> high and low for more than what we just talked about and couldn't find anything. Yeah, you I couldn't find one, it like Morty couldn't find his wallet. I had one little bit and well, it's it's related. Apparently the wallet was later revealed to be in Jerry's couch in the pilot part two. So I don't mm. remember that part, but that's what happens. Yeah, they're about to watch Jerry. So they're all the four uh-huh. of them are sitting on the couch uh-huh. and then it's about to go to air and then Jerry feels something in his couch couch and it's his dad's wallet actually yep yeah, now that you mentioned that i do recall yeah, yeah. that yeah yeah no nice pickup yeah i was gonna say i was gonna say that when we talk about morty but uh yeah because <laughs> you think that at first the doctor's office might be actually a front for you know stealing but uh it turns out that it, they didn't do anything wrong no <laughs> if they're running a doctor's clinic especially one that's popular you would assume that they're making a lot of money so it's like why do they yeah. need, why do they need to steal a couple hundred bucks here and they're out of a wallet they're probably making more cash than they need the doctor probably makes like thousand dollars an hour anyway yeah, <laughs> what's exactly. 200 bucks to him yeah. i mean it took, it took months to get in so yeah i don't think it yeah. needs to cash from a lot maybe the nurses and the receptionists are underpaid <laughs> who knows we'll find out but anyway let's talk about some secondaries from the wallet shall we sounds good how about we start with morty and helen in the context of the episode eh? yeah I like it. Cool. So Morty, he, of course, he was played by the late Barney Martin and Helen was played by the wonderful Liz Sheridan. So, uh, yeah, Morty, um, he thinks that the clinic is a front for theft, like I mentioned before. And uh, you did mention, Sarah, that in the pilot part two, the season four finale, Morty's wallet was actually left in Jerry's couch. And uh, Morty, he's just really irrational in this episode, isn't he? Yeah, I think um, he's... He comes across to me in this episode as really anxious, you know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Not the first time I'm sure they've visited Jerry, but he's just really uneasy. You know, he's, you know, he screams out, my wallet's got, you know, he's very, feels his pocket and he's, he's worried and the doctor, he doesn't like him. And, you know, he thinks he's a ripoff and he gets these ridiculous questions that he has to fill out. And yeah, I just, I don't know. Yeah, anxious, cranky, more than usual. Because I mean, he's just a bit gruff usually, isn't he? So yeah, and and I mean, Jerry's mother is very, you know, proud of her son and defensive. I mean, how can anyone not like him? It reminds me of Mum for some reason, Stephen, because she just loves <laughs> loves Helen. So I how can anyone like- not like Stephen? How, how can anyone not like you? <laughs> I like how Morty, Morty Morty's a bit more um, down to earth, and he's like. I can see how someone doesn't, you know, might yeah. not like Doesn't might not like And Helen, Helen's like, don't say that. Well, I guess the question is with Helen, do you think she actually genuinely believes that Jerry is likable or do you think oh, she's yeah. probably delusional? No, I think, I mean, she's just a mother proud of her son, I think, you know. How can you genuinely okay. think, how can anyone not like their child like they do? You know, they, they see all the good, I guess. But, yeah, like you said, Stephen, Morty's a bit more uh, realistic. You're like, you know, I can see. I can yeah. see an instance where he's not likable, but, yeah. So yeah. you don't think she's just saying it to try to make herself feel better? She actually genuinely means means no, it? I think, I mean, that that kind of struck me as well, you know. Well, it's, it's, a, um, it's an affront to her if, if nobody likes her son. But, uh, no, I think genuinely she loves him, loves him to pieces. Yeah, and whenever <laughs> Helen and Morty are up or whenever they're down, Jerry and, you know, anyone else tends to be on slightly better behaviour. So mm. maybe her opinion of Jerry changed after the finale, you know, when all their sort of skeletons were revealed in a very public setting. Maybe she thought, oh, I can see now why someone might not like my son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. What I liked about Morty in this episode was it added so many feathers to his cap in terms of character development. It's the first time you see Morty more cranky than normal. Uh, mm-hmm. And also that badass side of his comes out when he's like, mm-hmm. you know, I'll make some calls. And he's like, who are you going to call? And he's like, don't worry yeah. about it. Like he's some, you know, connected gangster type guy or something like that. 
Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and, and the dynamics between Helen and Morty, I think, were really, really fleshed out in this episode really well. It, to me, this episode has the most character development for them as individuals as well as them as a couple, as, you know, Jerry's parents and who they are in relation to him. Mm-hmm. I feel like this episode actually, like, it grounded Morty and Helen as, like, really solid secondary characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could have anyone else, you know, performing later on or, or in this episode could have probably, like, it could have easily gone the wrong way and, and they could have become, like, an unlikable set yeah. of parents. But, you know, you know, you've got Frank and Estelle Costanza who are, you know, wacky but likable as well. But they're kind of, Morty and Helen, I guess you could say, compared to them, are a bit more grounded. And I mm-hmm. think this episode kind of cemented them as, like, really, like I said, solid secondaries. Yeah, and I think they played into the stereotypes of parents their age, you know, where the mother is a bit overbearing, but, you know, still has a really nice heart and she just wants the yeah. best for the son. And the father's just a bit kind of disconnected and a bit rambly and a bit angry and just a bit, you know, they embody the stereotypes of people their age and a married mm-hmm. couple really, really well. So I think that's why they're so likable because they are actually relatable. Whereas George's parents, there's probably less people like them in the world than Helen and Morty. You know? <laughs> than them, yeah. And yeah. Morty also has that really conventional mindset where he thinks that, you know, Jerry being a comedian isn't like, I guess, a quote-unquote real job. So he mm. always thinks he has no money like Jerry isn't a salesman or an office worker or anything like Morty used to be. So Morty thinks that he doesn't earn any money. It's like, a you know, it's not a serious job. Mm. Yeah. I don't think Morty respects Jerry. I think he respects him enough to, you know, to have let him make his own choice, you know, when he was younger and then becoming a professional. But I think he thinks that Jerry should have been maybe a doctor or a lawyer or a more conventional job that a parent <laughs> would be typically proud of. Or a sales manager at Bloomingdale's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do either of you have anything else about Helen or Morty? Nope. No. Okay, cool. Uh, why don't we talk about uh, Dr. Reston? Dr. Reston, yes, he's played by Stephen McHattie. And uh, yes, they, uh, him and Elaine go to Europe and they come back. And uh, I think we have talked about Dr. Reston in a previous season four episode. I think we mentioned Steve way back when that, you know, Dr. Reston, he has like a huge control over people and, you know, he's able to manipulate people his own ways. It's like a Spenjali. <laughs> Spen- what did I say? Spenjali. <laughs> yeah, this this episode for me paints Dr. Reston not only as someone who is uh, a bit of a control freak, but mm. I think he's an unethical creep. He's just, he, Indeed, really, yeah. he really crosses the line in the episode. It's not like he's subtly manipulating Elaine. He just says to her point blank, you will do this. Yeah. And when she pushes back, he goes, no, no, you will do this. He's just, yeah. I, think he get, I think he gets off on the ability to control his patients and maybe especially like women who are romantically involved with him like Elaine is as well. I think it yes. gives him a huge ego boost. Because mind you, Elaine's also a patient as well. So obviously yeah. he's breaching so many ethics, you know, sleeping with your one of your patients. Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. He knows her vulnerabilities and, you know, he talks about her, her dream um, and, you know, lots of... Sexual encounter with the Chinese woman. <laughs> yeah. Are you still uri- urinating a lot? Yeah, he's 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 a creep, but you know he hides behind that professional veneer. I think so. Yeah. Like I said previously, he just kind of had like this weird, assertive, controlling aspect to him. But mm. I don't think we ever called him unethical. But in this episode, it's just that's just gone out the window. He's just a garbage person. And we see him in the wallet trying to manipulate Kramer too. Oh yeah. yeah I love a bit when he's on the telephone but i think that's how yeah. isn't it in this episode he gets on the phone or the phone rings and he speaks to bobo do you think that's <laughs> crazy joe devola or he says to bobo he, he says he gives directions to bobo as to where the yeah. office is so i'm guessing he's probably just a new patient named bobo. yeah possibly maybe he has to give his patients like code names when he's talking 
openly in front of other patients mm-hmm. to, to preserve yeah. anonymity or something. You know, but if Elaine wasn't in the office, he might have said, hey, Joe, but with yeah. someone there, he might have to say Bobo. Very mm-hmm. true. I wonder what Elaine's codename would be. What would you call Elaine if you were her psychiatrist? Well, what if I was her psychiatrist, I'd just call her Elaine. But if I was Dr. Reston, I'd call her victim number six or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Face like a frying pan or big wall of hair. Big wall of hair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Face like a frying pan. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, so that's Dr. Reston, total creeper. Let's move on to uh, something a bit lighter. Let's talk about another doctor, Dr. Dembro. Dr. Dembro. Uh, Dr. Dembro. Uh, yes, he's played by actor and writer David Sage. He's known for the film The Birdcage and the TV show Star Trek The Next Generation. And well, I think with Dr. Dembro, guys, he definitely puts his patient's health first. Like, Morty says that he's lost his wallet and, you know, he and even Dr. Dembro seems really concerned, but I'm guessing he probably has, like, a serious diagnosis for Morty, so it's probably like something really bad with his back and he'd rather like, you know, put the wallet issue aside first and tell him what's happening. That's probably why he's so backed up. That's why it's so hard to get in there because he's such not only a competent doctor but a caring doctor. So yeah, very caring. He's very thorough. You know, I mean, he knows, oh, the wallet will probably turn up. Do you want to focus on your results? And Morty's like, no, 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 you know, what kind of what kind of thing you got going on here? So kind of scam. So, you know, and then he just sort of walks out in a huff but – yeah, I think he's, uh, he just, like you said, he's got his patient's interests at heart. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, he doesn't really indulge Morty that much. You know, Morty questions him about the operation he has and he goes, okay, fine, and he just walks out. And I think it's, for him, he's like, well, this is a lost cause. I'm not going to convince this guy that he's being paranoid. I've got another patient. I'm just going to move on. And I think that yeah. reinforces the idea that his patients are number one and he's not yep. going to indulge paranoid old old cranky men like like Morty. yeah because yeah, even even we said earlier that like if he's going to if he's earning so much money why would he steal 200 bucks exactly yeah but it's interesting how the the episode makes you think that maybe someone else like the receptionist or something stole the money mm-hmm. and then we find out you know right at the, the end of the finale you think that his wallet was actually stolen because one would think if you had a wallet in your pocket you'd feel it you know how mm-hmm. could you walk into an office and then you you know you think someone stole your wallet but you didn't feel it you know especially with guys you know you wear your wallets in your your pants in your pockets you know you think you'd feel it or something or you had to take it out to give id or something yeah so you actually think oh my god maybe someone at the clinic did steal his money or his wallet but also hanging up without him so someone could have just snuck into the room nicked it out of his his trousers and then it could have happened i wasn't there well that's what he's assuming and then in the pilot we just show that he's he's just paranoid and uh, very forgetful in his old age Mm. yep I wonder if uh, Jerry told him and then I wonder if Morty, just going back to Morty just for a sec, I wonder if he'd have the um, right amount of humbleness to call Dr. Dembro and say, look, I'm really sorry that I caused ruckus in your clinic. I actually found my son actually found my wallet in my couch or he's he's too too stubborn, isn't he? Too stubborn, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. He'd probably still like, you know, tell the clinic, you got to be careful with leaving, you know, people's pants out and, you know, <laughs> making sure no one steals anything. He'd probably give him a lecturing. <laughs> I can imagine, you know, for the sake of peace and um, professionalism in his clinic, I can imagine Dembro at the end of this day where Morty came in thinking, I want to avoid another situation like this. Maybe I should put a protocol into place where, you know, before a patient goes in the office, we offer them to, you know, the option to put their wallet behind the counter or something like that, just so that this scenario, you know, again, just to maintain the professionalism, I think he's very self-aware and he knows that he's running highly regarded and very tight ship, so he doesn't want anything disrupting it. Yeah, he's not running a clip joint like Morty says. (laughs) <laughs> okay. a clip joint you're running here i don't even know what a clip joint is but it's funny yeah <laughs> like an old-timey term for like you know a front to commit crimes yeah for yeah. sure anything else about dr Dembro? uh no what mm-hmm. about you two 
No, well, I mean, I had a bit of trivia about the actor. He's played a judge six times um, and a doctor three times in various other, te- other television shows. So he's quite ah. us. He looks like a distinguished older gentleman. So, mm. you know, I guess he fits that profile quite well. He does, yeah. He's David Sage. That's the name of the actor. Mm. Yeah, well cast for sure. All right, let's talk about uh, Susan Ross in the context of the episode. Yes, played by Heidi Swedberg. And uh, uh, Susan is the subject of our very first What's the Deal With episode, our fifth episode overall. So if you want to find out about her, uh, Steve and I talked about her for about an hour back then. So uh, if Mm -hmm. you want to find out everything about her, then go ahead and do that. But I guess in the context of this episode, she's not seen too much. She's only in one scene with George. And uh, she's actually really surprised when George wants to turn the deal down. (laughs) She's taken aback by it. I mean, he's not Ted Danson. (laughs) You're not Ted Danson. (laughs) I think this is the first episode where you see her kind of sassiness come out. You know, she's really good at cutting George down when he's kind of being arrogant or just punching above his weight in whatever he's doing. She just, because she laughs at him almost mockingly. She goes, you're not Ted Danson, you know, and, you know, she knows what Russell Dalrymple is going to say when uh, she takes back George's rejection and request for more money. She knows exactly what's going to happen. You know, and one thing I noticed about her as well in this episode is she seems a bit more like light or less like weighed down by George's bullshit. She just seems to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah, still very early in their relationship. Yeah. yeah. She's, yet, she's yet to see the, the dark depths of George Costanza. So that makes sense. But it was just nice, you know, because most of her storyline is season seven where she's just constantly having to deal with George's lies and just the core fours bullshit. So it was nice mm. to see her unimpeded by that yeah she got vomited on by kramer a few episodes before Mm. and uh, obviously she hates kramer and kramer keeps calling her lily by mistake in future Mm. episodes she's yet to be chased out of town by uh you know bubble boy defenders or her father's cabin hasn't burned down yet so no that's a few episodes episodes there's george the cigars from her father which couldn't you know consequently burn down the cabin in future episodes don't they after george gives them to kramer yeah 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 (laughs) i love how they've set that up the you you see the origins of the cuban cigars it's subtle Very subtle, yeah, but it works. Yeah. And then it comes full circle when uh, Kramer befriends all the uh, diplomats and staff at the <laughs> Cuban embassy, and then they go and yeah. play golf. <laughs> I, I do like, like right. jacket. <laughs> I like this jacket. <laughs> yeah, I like in this episode as well when uh, Jerry gives. Uh, sorry, when George offers the cigars to Jerry, and Jerry rejects them, so he offers them to Kramer. And Kramer opens it up and he puts one in his mouth and he says something. I don't know if he's actually speaking Spanish or if he just says no. noises. Gibberish. Something that sounds Spanish. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's, um, a bit of sort of higgledy piggledy, isn't it? Just like mumbo jumbo. Yeah. But it, yeah, it yeah. sounds like it could be Spanish. You know, he's he's good at he's good at <laughs> yeah. just making. All right, moving on. Do you have any notes about anyone else? Just a couple of notes on the nurse and the receptionist, nothing too much. Um, okay. So I guess the, the nurse, she was played by Susan Eileen Johnson. She's known for the film, uh, the film Nine Months and the TV shows Mad About You and Family Matters with Urkel. Yeah, uh, with with the nurse, I mean, we don't see her too much, but I, I feel like at first she's really trying to tolerate Morty. You know, mm-hmm. Morty, you know, in the first scene when they're in the room, the waiting room together or in the, the exam room, she's really tolerant, like, yes, yes, you know, Mr. Seinfeld, you know, stay there. You know, the doctor will come very soon, blah, 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 blah. But in the later scene, she comes in when Morty's yelling, like, I've been waiting here for 20 minutes. What's going on? And you can see, like, she's really frustrated this time. So she's really, like, Morty's really gotten under her skin. Mm, definitely. And then she uh, opens that Velcro. I think it might be a Velcro cuff and he freaks out because he hates Velcro. And she's just yeah. like, what? <laughs> what's going on? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, she seems actually, when Morty says that the wallet's stolen, she seems quite concerned. Mm. You know, she walks in and she's gone from, like, frustrated to, like, oh, God, his wallet's gone. Oh, geez, I better try and do something. 
Mm. I better return the wallet to his pants. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not getting paid enough. Mm. Yeah, it was worth it. I think she handles Morty really well. She's concerned enough to show that she's caring, but uh, she doesn't sort of tolerate too much of his paranoid kind of crankiness. Mm, that's right. It's good. And you wanted to talk about the receptionist as well? Yeah, just really quickly, played by Denise Dowes. She's known for Ray, Pleasantville and Biodome. And uh, yeah, the receptionist, she gives Morty the form. <laughs> Morty's like, this is a book. <laughs> take, take 45 minutes. She's not impressed with him at all because yeah, Morty's like, have you ever had a sexually transmitted disease? Okay, that's it. You got my you got name and my address. my address. That's enough. And then she turns to her associate and says, "Okay, you can uh, you can bring him in now." So she knows that he's one of those really impatient types. Because I think in, in back in that day, in those days, New York, you know, the stereotype of like New Yorkers was like angry, you know, mm-hmm. frustrated, you know, being in like a you know big city, you know, congestion, traffic, yada yada. Maybe she thought that he was just like a typical New Yorker, like an angry New Yorker, you know, stereotype, and was like, "Yep, I've seen these guys before in the clinic. <laughs> Nothing new." And uh, isn't she the same at? who plays you remember the mother of the family that George goes to watch breakfast at Tiffany's at and she comes in at a later point and she's like who are you I'm pretty sure she's the mother but might be yeah she seems very familiar and she's unimpressed there as well so (laughs) (laughs) just like the whole family yeah Yeah, coming home to a random watching breakfast at Tiffany's with you I'm pretty sure Uh that's same woman. No, look, it could uh, be right. Seinfeld, no. Seinfeld did do a lot of double casting. There are so many mm. secondary characters, what we've talked about, where they played one character in one episode and another in another. So Yeah. yeah. And as you say, it's Sarah. Yes, she is the mother in that episode, The Couch. That's yeah. where George uh, rents breakfast Tiffany's. Well done. Yes. Nice. All those hours watching Seinfeld on the tube paid off. I know. It, Something it, has been absorbed and it's not it useful information. It's Seinfeld. <laughs> That's more than useful information because, uh, oh, you know, oh, it is. Yeah. Uh, even even I, I missed it. I usually get all the acting credits and I missed it. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. You, you did my job. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you've raised the bar. Jesus. Mm. Yep. I'll get an email through the week saying, it's been good having you, Steve, but you're off, Sarah's on. That's going to be more like Stephen and Sarah, the bid we've asked with Stephen and Sarah from now on. Oh, I don't know. I couldn't commit to it full time, I don't think. Can you still do all the editing? <laughs> um, for a fee? No. <laughs> We'll pay you in that you can listen to us. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's fine. Nice. I have a couple of notes just on Uncle Leo in the context of the episode. Uh, And we have done an episode of Uncle Leo on Uncle Leo as well. So go back, uh, way back to 2017, maybe 2018, and you'll find an episode on him. Uh, This is the first time you really see him kind of like be a bit, well, he's very annoyed with Morty. You know, he's very upset by the fact that Morty, walked out on his appointment and accused the the doc, uh, Dr. Dembro and, and the entire clinic of stealing. But in typical Uncle Leo style, he kind of uh, exaggerates the truth. He does do that from time to time. You know, initially you think that, you know, he's friends with Dr. Dembro, but uh, as Morty points out, it turns out that Dr. Dembro lives on the same floor as his son. Is that right? Yeah. Something like that? No, Dr. Dembro's son lives on the same floor as mm-hmm. Uncle Leo. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he yeah, doesn't know so Dr. Dembro like, directly. Yeah, but the fact that he emphasizes it was, you know, he did me a personal favor. You think that they're good <laughs> friends or, you know, that he's been going again. to him. Yeah, he's like, he said, said it, it again. Twice. Personal favor. Why do you keep saying that? He said it twice. Yeah. You get the impression that he's been going to him for 30 years or something, but mm-hmm. I don't think he's ever been to him. And he just knows his, you know, he, he's aware of his reputation. But yeah, that, that fell in line with Uncle Leo where he, you know, another another exaggeration of his that comes to mind is when, I think it's in the pilot, when he, or maybe the pitch actually, when Jerry's on his way to NBC and he runs into Leo 
And uh, Jerry's like, oh, I can't talk now. I've got a, I've got a really important meeting. And Leah goes, it's okay. I understand. I've got many friends in show business. Yeah. And it's like. I was thinking Leo, the exact same thing. I yeah, was thinking, Leo, oh, they're going to say the same thing. Yeah. Leo might kind of know one guy 20 years ago who kind of worked in showbiz. But according to Leo, that's, I know plenty of people in showbiz, so I'm all over it. He doesn't make up stuff, but he takes a kernel of truth and expands it. Anything else about any of the secondaries? No, that's it from me. Uh, Anything for you, Sarah? Any notes? Any comments? No? No, I think we've covered everything I thought of. Anyway, let's take a really quick break. We'll come back and wrap up the episode. We're going to find out where the wallet sits in our episodes we have done so far, and if any of today's newer secondary characters make our top 20. Well, uh, there's not really much to tell. You know, he's just a guy, really. Yes. Well, I assume he's a guy. Right. And you've known him how long? Years. Many years. Um, We've been close friends, and then recently something just, you know, happened. You mean sexually? Yeah. Yeah. Sexually. Okay, we're back. Let's find out where the wallet ranks. Yes, out of 140 episodes we have done on this podcast, for me, The Wallet sits at number 64. What about you, Steve? Uh, It sits at number 88. It was okay. I had a few yucks. Uh, I I like Kramer in this episode. But, um, yeah, I I don't know. It was mostly average all the way through. I didn't find much that I would call fantastic. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was just like a standard, I guess, an average season four episode where it was like a means to an end rather than like its own kind of entity. So it kind of led on to the events of The Watch and, uh, you know, later season four episodes, The Bubble Boy, The Chiva Letters with the Cigars. That's right. And Sarah, I know you don't have an official listing of episodes, but if you had to place this episode generally, you know, in the top, like best episodes or middle or bottom, where, where would you rank it? Yeah, I think I'm with you guys. I'm kind of, you know, sort of between 60 and 100 somewhere because it's not as a standalone episode. It really, well, it's a linchpin to lots of other episodes, you know, it it leads into The Watch, which I think is a far better episode than this as a standalone. Um, Yes, I agree. Yeah, and like the secondary characters are okay. And again, they're just purely supporting in this, you know, like bit part type secondary characters. There's nothing to memorable dr reston you know yeah he's a bit of a creeper but um yeah it, there's lots of little secondary characters I think. yeah and yeah. and most of the secondary characters in this episode are well established by this point they want to be even more well established so uh, they didn't have a lot of room to add in a memorable one-off secondary character like a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend like so many episodes have so i think that yeah. from our from you know wh- how we view episodes maybe let it down a bit as well I think, Stephen, when you initially engaged my, um, you know, podcasting services, not that I'm experienced whatsoever, but you said, oh, we're doing the wallet part or the watch part one and two. And I thought, awesome, because, you know, I thought it was a double, double episode special. But as I was watching the wallet again and again, I then just kept playing the series and it led into the watch. And I really like, I like the um, the girl who sounds like Elma Fudd sitting on a juicer. The laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I like all those bits. I think that's a bit more of a like a succinct episode, you know, it's a bit tighter. So, yeah. Yeah. We're sorry we got you in like, a, you know, a below average episode. <laughs> I wish we got you for a classic or something. Yeah. Well, we've got yeah. 30 odd episodes left, so plenty mm. of opportunities to have you back. Plenty of classics we haven't done yet. I did yeah. ask, I always ask you to tell me which one it is. <laughs> if it's not one of my, like the really, really, really great ones that I've watched a million times, then I'm a bit hesitant. But yeah, you know, I love them all. Nice. Well, if it's uh, a classic, we'll, uh, we'll give you a call and uh, see if you want to oh, jump yeah. on. Yeah, this nice. is great. 
Right. Now, Ivan, do any of the secondary characters appear in your top 20? No, no new secondary characters for me, but special mention to Morty and Helen. Great performances in this episode. What about you? Uh, yeah, I'm the same, uh, but Helen and Morty definitely took the prize for the best secondaries in this episode. Now, again, Sarah, we know you don't have a list of favourite secondary characters, but if you had to pick... Uh, your favourite in this episode, who would it be? I guess for the purposes of, well, screen time, um, I guess Dr. Reston, you really kind of get an insight to what a weirdo he is and how much control as a Spenjali uh, he has over Elaine. And that I like the scenes with her and him together. She just gives excellent um, deliveries, you know, because she has yeah. a relationship with her friend, you know, sexually. Sexually. <laughs> I love the way... Mum and I were talking about it today, actually, Stephen. We, she she just gives, like, no one else can do what she does, do you know? But, yeah. Oh, Jen, she's one in a million. Ivan and I just, like, drool in a non-sexual way, in a respected way over her. Oh, she's yeah. just, she's phenomenal. Yeah, well, exactly. And the bit in this, which is, rela- which is related, with the bit where she's, like, Federal Express, and then she comes in, and that bit where she's got her arms up in the air and she's jumping up and down, that's like a good, that's like a, what are those things called? Not a meme, but a gif. Is it a gif? The one that moves? It's a gif. It's popular in uh, comment sections on Facebook. You know, if, yes. if someone posts some good news or whatever or something to celebrate, people yeah. often post that. It's really fun. Yep. Sure. Yeah. That is another week of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to our guest, Sarah. It's uh, fantastic to have you on. And uh, hopefully we can have you back before we wrap up all the episodes. We're on the home stretch now. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. No worries. Yeah, it's great to have another family member on the podcast of yours, Steve. <laughs> I'll have to start moving on to extended family members. They'll be like, what's Seinfeld? And I'm like, just watch the episode and talk about it. Shut up. <laughs> I haven't spoken to you in 15 years. Who's this? Well, I know <laughs> about cousin. like it, don't they, Stephen? Actually, yeah, no, we do have some extended family who like Seinfeld. So That's if we're if we're desperate for a guest, we have some options available to us. I we'll have to bring them all on. <laughs> yeah, just have like a giant Zoom call at twenty people. <laughs> yeah. If uh, if you want to talk about secondary characters with us, you can email beautifulbasspodcast at gmail.com. We're on all forms of social media: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. You can listen to all of our previous episodes on your podcast app of choice. And if you want to support us, it would mean a lot if you left a rating or review or just told us what you think of the episode. And you can support us financially as well. And you can support us on Patreon and PayPal. That's right, Steve. But next week, we are traveling to season seven to talk about a, I guess, a semi-classic episode, The Sponge. Is it a sponge-worthy episode? You will find out. Yeah. Yes. Oh, well, we we should have had you on that episode, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) Am I sponge-worthy? You know, that's really the question. You being on this episode is determined whether you're sponge worthy which in terms of podcasting yeah i was going to say which is a weird thing to for a brother to say to a sister but (laughs) just a touch weird it's 2020 anything can happen oh no (laughs) most things but yes my name is ivan i'm stephen and i'm sarah and uh, Stephen and i will see you next week for the sponge you take care of yourselves and each other during these very tumultuous times around the world and we'll catch it in bye bye